have one new message. Throughout human history, we have been dependent on machines to survive. Fate, it seems, is not without a sense of irony. With the spread of digital technologies, emerged cultures we are all part of in one way or the other. To know how, look or perhaps you are no further than our voice reaching you through whatever device you are on. Podcasts wouldn't have been possible without these cultures. This is Exploring Digital Cultures, a podcast created by the students of Masters in English and Cultural Studies, a multidisciplinary course offered at Christ, deemed to be University, Bangalore. With each episode dedicated to understanding a specific digital culture, here, we look at the relationship between culture and technology and how this relation is exemplified in the digital world. start this episode, I need to put a trigger warning. This podcast contains real-life examples of abuse, stalking, violence, and caste slurs. Hi there. If you have missed the earlier episodes, let me reintroduce myself. My name is Vanshika Chandravarma, and I'm a master's student of English and Cultural Studies, Christ deemed to be university. Bangalore. I've been working on social media and gender in the context of South Asia. In the last episode, I had introduced theories about the same. Moving on, I wanted to look into a contrast between the narratives of cyber crimes in the West as compared to South Asia. Well, as you can tell from the trigger warnings, this is going to be pretty dark. Digging up the archives, I found some pretty disturbing stuff from news channels about cyberstalking and online crime. One of them really was something. As far as I can tell, the news was from 2019 and the woman involved was Kristen Pratt. She had been cyberstalked by Patrick McKeown, a complete stranger to her, who threatened her, intimidated her, and sent her threats over and over again. He demanded that she get romantically involved. When she refused, he found a place of work and actively involved in stalking her. It was only when a passing by officer saw a suspicious stranger with a backpack lurking outside a building, he was able to get hold of his camera and discover disturbing footage of Macchione recording himself threatening Kristen. Patrick Macchione was then taken into custody. It has been two years since the incident. Patrick has been released early for good behavior and banned from approaching Kristen ever again. Does it help? Well, not Kristen. She still confesses to being terrified and taking a thousand precautionary measures to avoid being assaulted or harassed by Macchione. Pretty terrifying, right? It is not as if Kristen had not reached out to authorities before, but was always dismissed because it's an online threat and not made offline. It was only when the officer found footage and decided to take up the case that it got media attention. Kristen is not alone. As Duffy and Hunt had pointed out earlier, Women have been threatened and subjected to violence on the online world as well as the offline world. 
Cyber stalking can prove to have actual psychological consequences for the victim, ranging from years to come. Since I was looking at the statistics, it is interesting to note another thing that Duffy and Hun noted, and that is women of color. Women of color, they pointed out, receive more hate and trolling on average than white women. It got me thinking if the South Asian media has reported these crimes so that the nature of it can be assessed. I thought it is important because A. We decided to focus on a South Asian perspective for this episode. And B. We do have starts from the extensive paper done by Nitya Sandhusavan. It points out that cyber stalking is widespread, with stats showing 73% of cases reported from India, 65% in Pakistan, and 50% in Bangladesh. It can also help us draw out the comparison between how it is handled by the authorities. I wanted to pull out examples similar to Kristen's to draw a parallel acknowledging or understanding of the scenario when it happens in the South Asian countries. I have several accounts of such incidents from my personal life. These are mostly undocumented events, sometimes heard of a Facebook stories, posts, and my inner circle. These can sometimes be creepy, as once I discovered a significant other of a friend bragging on social media how he stalked her online and used to follow her physically in order to woo her to downright scary as I once remember a girl on a women's forum talking about her ex-boyfriend using social media to track her down in order to intimidate her in person. When followed with her by the group members on if she is looking to get legal help, she admitted that she was shunned down by the police when she called them up because it was an ex-boyfriend. Then she was already a woman of no character and should not seek help. So I decided to collect these examples on the news and see if the victims got the appropriate handling. The more I searched, the more I realized that most of these reports did not have the victim's statement. Two famous cases of cyberstalking in India have been that of the Kathuria case and the other being the Vinopriya case. In case you are unfamiliar, Kathuria case is understood to be one of the first reported cases of cyberstalking in India. In 2001, Manish Kathuria was stalking an Indian lady Miss Ritu Kohali. He then impersonated her by illegally chatting on the website www.mirc.com using her name and used obscene and obnoxious language and distributed her residence telephone number inviting people to chat with her on the phone. As a result, Miss Ritu Kohali was getting obscene calls from various states of India and abroad and people were constantly calling and harassing her. In a state of shock, she called the Delhi police and reported the matter. The police registered her case under Section 509 of the Indian Penal Court, 1860, for outraging the modesty of Ritu Kohali. But Section 509 refers only to a word, a gesture or an act intended to insult modesty of a woman. But when the same things are done on the internet, then there is no mention of it in the set section. This case caused alarm to an Indian government for the need to amend laws regarding the aforesaid crime and regarding protection of victims under the same. The Kathuria case ended up in the amendment of the ID law in India, while the Vinupriya case was mishandled and the victim, finding herself at a dead end, hanged herself. Again, if you are unfamiliar with the case, Vinupriya had reported to the police about her personal content being leaked and instead of handling the situation, 
the narrative was shifted to blame her. This led to trauma and her subsequent demise. Other than that, most of the cases were not even documented by the media or channels. In fact, the victim's side of the story was often missing as the victims were either afraid to come out in public or, in most cases, had taken to harm them, as similar to Vinupriya's case. Another case that was similar to this was Manu Singh's case. Manu's case is an example of internet trolling and its consequences. Manu Singh unfortunately died by suicide because he was threatened and trolled when a girl accused him of rape on social media platform. The case is still open and cites that trolling was the reason Manu decided to end his life. Of course, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. Taking up the example referred in one of the earlier episodes, if you have seen the documentary Don't F with Cats on Netflix, it has one such documented incident on how trolling can lead to some serious consequences. If you haven't watched the show, the documentary follows an online investigation on trying to find an unknown person who is subjecting animals to torture. Filming it and sending out links to a woman who runs a Facebook group of a significant following. Since this investigation was taking place online and on a social media platform, it also had its consequences. The videos were always sent out from unknown links and addresses, and the culprit always had his face hidden. When a few people suspected that a particular man from South Africa may be making these videos, they trolled and harassed him to the point that he ended up dying by suicide. Trolling is not limited to such cases. Trolling is a tool that is used time and again on social media to bully, harass, and in general, cause discomfort to the vulnerable. It has become so normalized that it has come to be accepted as an inevitable part of social media presence. In fact, I would like to reiterate that Duffy and Hunt pointed out that most content creators understand that getting trolled or hated on means that you have made it as an influencer. It came with the job, but you don't need to be an influencer to be hated on. You could be a public figure and it will get you so much hate that it can have serious consequences for you, as the documented experiences of women across platforms have said. In fact, being a woman puts you in the disparity of male counterparts, who have it fairly easy as most of the hate comments directed to them aren't misogynistic or sexist, unlike the experience of thousands of women. The study points out that the experiences of women in social media can parallel any real-time institution, where women are to be seen as an object of the body to look at. If you take autonomy over how you represent yourself, then you present yourself to be a threat to the male gaze. Thus, most of the time, even if as an influencer or photographer you are taking autonomy of your representation, you need to cater or appeal to the male gaze. It is like walking on an invisible rope. You need to be authentic, but not too much. You need to be beautiful, but using filters will garner you hate. It's almost as what the paper quotes. There is no winning in this thing. This makes the South Asian context to be studied twofold. In the South Asian countries, the same rules apply. Gendered hatred for wearing makeup, speaking on their experiences and accusations of using filters to enhance the aesthetics of the feet is a rampant negative loop that most influencers have talked about. Interestingly, even the influencers that this paper has decided to pick have seen a major difference in the attention of male content creator like Ankush Bhavna, 
present on Instagram under the name Ankush Bhavna versus Isha Bahal, present under the name Isha Bahal gets for conversations around centering the body. Another thing to notice is the kind of hate that is garnered towards a Dalit woman as compared to a Savarna woman like Isha. Here, taking the example of Priyanka Hall, present on Instagram as Art Whoring, who is constantly shamed about talking about her identity and targeted by troll pages that constantly send her threats for being vocal about her Dalit identity. Isha, on the other hand, she acknowledges the caste divide constantly, exercises more control in terms of what is directed towards her. In this narrative, the understandings of how authorities handle it are almost similar to what Sambhasivan had pointed out. Most of the time, people turn to means to comfort them without turning to the authorities. Some examples to be cited are Bhavna talking on the platform about trolling and awareness when he does makeup. With Isha, she has turned to reporting individuals for their behavior on her page while Priyanka uses it as a source of spreading awareness and talking about the hatred her identity and community garners. One of the famous feuds that have come onto Paul was from a recent tweet from Kamla Ranath, a Bollywood actress had made on calling her scary looking. Online trolls have also made it a point to make comments on her body and on several occasions more for pictures to depict her in compromising situations. These were of course non-consensual. I will read out the comments as Priyanka had posted on her Instagram account but she has currently either deleted it or turned it private and I can't find it so. The trolling also consists of fat shaming her. Priyanka is definitely not the last person to be hated on for her body weight and she isn't the only one so does it mean that we have still held on to our beauty ideals? It seems so. South Asian women are regularly trolled for putting themselves out there, being dark-skinned or just exposing themselves. Social media has come as a cultural shock to many people as it is a space where women can exercise control over their bodies. Thus, what content they put comes with a sense of agency that may not sit well with the patriarchal societies that South Asian countries are. The idea of trolling comes from the patriarchal mindset that women who put themselves out there on social media deserve to be scrutinized. Women are viewed as objects and them taking control over their bodies serves as a threat to the system. Thus, trolling becomes a way to moral police them and keep them in check. The same can be seen to be reversed for a man who does not stick to gender norms. Male makeup artists or stylists receive trolling for performing activities that are considered feminine. Fashion, styling, makeup, anything. The notions about body weight, skin color and gender normativity comes from the colonial mindset that still haunts South Asian countries. Men and women are supposed to stick to what is understood traditionally feminine and masculine which in the South Asian context remains largely undefined as we are in the space where we are still colonial but trying to grasp this idea of modernism. The conflict of modern versus traditional goes back a long way in defining what their popular opinion on things would be. A controversial subject to brush upon here is the LGBTQ community. This mindset is one of the reasons why people belonging to the LGBTQ community are subject to trolling and misgendering. 
For example, Dr. Trinetra Haldar, a trans woman, opened about her receiving constant threats and trolls because of her identity. However, social media also serves as a remedy for the poison. Content creators have taken the platform to open up and talk openly about the hate in the community. A lot of platforms have decided that they should contribute by revising community guidelines. However, the South Asian problem remains the same. There has been a resurgence for forging a new representation for the Global South, whilst with a lot of conflict that comes. Well, I hope we all make this representation more inclusive and open for marginalized communities through communication and compassion. That will help us create a safer world. I'd like to end this episode on this positive note. Adios. The following is a sample of WWV, a radio station heard at a frequency of 20 MHz using Radio Jove. What you will hear are ticks which repeat in one-second time intervals, followed by a voice indicating what time it is, followed by a tone, and then tick marks resume. You can also continuously hear the hiss of galactic background radiation. That's it for now. Asha, hey, yeah, I'm going to tell you about this episode.